It is Monday, March 20th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. 68 down to 16. And how sweet it is. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. The Sweet 16 has been locked in. Team USA back in the finals of the World Baseball Classic. Well, I think we can agree the uh, the tournament will be the Vegas lead. Yes, the World Baseball Classic yeah. tournament. Oh. Uh, Trey Turner with mm. the Grand Slam on yep. Saturday. Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. All right, we'll get to that, but let's start <laughs> with the NCAA tournament. 68 down to 16, AJ. The Sweet 16 is set, and last night, the most recent game, if you're waking up Monday morning, and the last game that you saw was mm. probably the uh, most vicious or joyous mm. finish for Vegas purposes. Yeah, let me tell you a story about how I wake up and Steve Fezzik has texted me and says, great news, I got you uh, 500 bucks worth of TCU plus five if you want it. Five five is a good number. Great number because, and and this is what Fezzik does. He he is ahead of line moves. He knows where these things are moving. And five, getting five was incredible because he knew – it was going down to at least four and a half. And it did. It went down to four, then back up to four and a half, but it never sniffed five again. And me, I said, I text Fez back and I say, you know what? I've got some minus four. I'll pass. You hold on to that five. You can have a little extra for yourself. Yeah, well, I said, give me, I'll take it. I'll take the bet. Because AJ turned it down. So I said, if he's going to turn it down, I'll take (laughs) AJ's bet. Like, give it to me. And, well... The game was, you know, in question. If you I, went, I, if you went to bed assuming you had covered four or four and a half with Gonzaga, because well, here's let's just break this down for a moment. So, Gonzaga is well in control at the end of the game, and then what happens is TCU gets the runs down, drills a three pointer. It's now a four point game. No, this was a five. Uh, Five point, uh, four point, four game, point right. game, four point game, and there were little under five seconds left. I'm like, this is great news because th- now that they made that shot, they are going to foul. All we need is one free throw, mm-hmm. one free throw, and we're clear. And they, they do made foul. They made two free throws, and they made two free. Throws. Except they fa- it was it was tough fouling. Gonzaga stayed away for a minute, and they foul with point. Seven seconds left on the clock. Yes. So Gonzaga makes both free throws. They're up six. They're up six. Your boy with minus four here mm -hmm. is feeling really. How are you feeling with plus five? I was crying. I was feeling great. I'm high fiving my buddy. Like it's uh. And and so Gonzaga. Yes, Avery, Avery Johnson had it. <laughs> Avery a- Johnson had it right. Avery was talking about me. 
was, somebody's going to be disappointed <laughs> at the end. Yes, Avery, somebody so, was what disappointed you at the end. The call there in that audio, courtesy of CBS Sports, was TCU inbounds the ball with 0.7 seconds remaining. And they do not touch the inbounds, they let it roll because the clock starts as soon as you touch the basketball. So they let it roll, they let it roll, and they let it roll until the ball pretty much crosses over half court, and that's when Damian Ball picks it up and shoots it at the buzzer. Just kind of flips it. And the three-pointer swooshes in, nothing but net, final score, Gonzaga 84, TCU 81, Anyone with a plus four and a half ticket cashes, if you laid it with Gonzaga, condolences. Thank you. Uh, the service will be held uh, <laughs> tomorrow. We'll have a, a service for my th- thoughts and prayers out to me. Let's just do that. Yeah, it was quite the scene. I was getting texts from people here in, in town talking about how the sports book was going insane wherever they were, whether they were at Circa or the Westgate or wherever they were. The sports books were just going absolutely insane. Millions of dollars changing hands on that final shot. But Gonzaga advances to the Sweet 16, and I believe it's now, what is that, four straight Sweet 16s for Gonzaga? Oh, no, excuse me, eight straight trips to yeah. the Sweet 16 for Gonzaga. I had the number four in my head because it's the fourth longest streak ever in NCAA tournament history. Gonzaga going to the Sweet 16 eight straight years where they will match up against UCLA and the Bruins of UCLA, one-and-a-half-point favorites on the early line. Yeah, my initial thought is, I mean, Gonzaga, or excuse me, UCLA doesn't have their best wing defender, mm-hmm. and that means they may have a hard time defending Julian Strother. Uh, I don't know. I've, I I walked away from the game last night feeling like if Gonzaga didn't shoot so poorly in the first half, mm-hmm. I think it was the third worst shooting half they've had this year. This game's not close, and the UCLA line is probably a pick Okay. I, I want to ask you, how much does the fact that UCLA just played a few games here in Vegas at T-Mobile where Gonzaga is going to be playing in a gym, you know, that they're not really familiar with? I think they played here last year. I think they played Duke, right, mm-hmm. here last year. But Or was it two years ago? Whatever, whenever it was. It was but two years the, ago. The, the sight lines, when you go to these new arenas, it can impact your shooting. And for UCLA, who just played a few games there in the Pac-12 tournament, I think you have to give them a slight shooting advantage early on, at least. You might be right. And Fez, I was texting with Fez last night about that exact thing, uh, and he said he thinks it's an edge for UCLA. That's tough for me, because my initial thought was going to be jump on Gonzaga, and I didn't jump on Gonzaga because of that. That slowed me down. So uh, at, at least made me rethink what I was planning. But it, it's also, remember, this is for UCLA, this is a revenge game. Uh, going back to the Final Four from two years ago 
when Gonzaga beat UCLA to go to the national championship game. So uh, the year where Baylor ended up winning the national mm. title, but UCLA, that that was the final four team. Uh, the, the 13, uh, or they weren't a 13. The 11, they were 11 seed yeah, from UCLA. The four, from the first four to the final four. Yeah, so that team that was an 11 seed that made it to the final four lost to Gonzaga. Uh, in overtime, if you recall, 93-90. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gonzaga, of course, goes on to lose to Baylor. But maybe maybe some revenge on the mind because a lot of these kids, that's the kids that were there, you know. So uh, uh, an, an emotional game, certainly, for for all these. And, like, you know, they mentioned it on the broadcast last night. It, Drew Timmy's still chasing that ring. Yep. Like, Drew Timmy's had about as a, an accomplished of a, of a college career as you can have without winning championships. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, I'm sure he'd love to add that – that ring to his uh, to his hardware. Yep, UCLA getting there by beating Northwestern 68-63 on Saturday. Northwestern uh, stinks. Yeah, a game that really wasn't – I mean, Northwestern played better in the second half, but UCLA took a big lead into the half. Uh, I don't think that game was ever in question. Elsewhere yesterday, we had uh, the Cinderella story come to a close as Fairleigh Dickinson, the 16th – What do you mean, the Cinderella story? Florida Atlantic's 33-3? and There you go. The, the, the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights from – New Jersey, who defeated the number one seed Purdue in the East and were just a couple of, you know, a couple of points away from playing a Sweet 16 game at Madison Square Garden, about 25 minutes or yep. so from campus, not even. And uh, they lose 78 70 to Florida Atlantic. So the nine seed Florida Atlantic Owls advanced to the Sweet 16. Congratulations, where they're going to match up with Tennessee, a team that is dealing with injuries, but... Dealing with them well. Dealing with them extremely well as Tennessee was able to beat Duke 65-52, just an absolute rout of the Blue Devils on Saturday. Yeah, they drugged they drug Duke into the mud is the best way to put it. They made Duke play a grimy, ugly game. That's what Tennessee has to do. And, it, again, Duke scoring 52 points in a mm-hmm. tournament game. Uh, that's a new one, I, w- I would guess. So it was a it was a, a prototypical Tennessee victory. That's what they have to do every game. Uh, that's what they'll look to do here for sure. Tennessee five and a half point favorites over Florida Atlantic. Sparty rolls on. Michigan State getting a win over um, Marquette, upsetting the two seed in the East and ruining my brackets because I had Marquette in my final four as did I more uh, like shock a dumb. I tweeted that out. I, I'm definitely the first person that's ever ne- thought of no that. No one else has ever come yeah, up with so that. Original, it's so original. So original. So, like, so like strong. if I was a newspaper headline writer, that's what I would write. And it would be the first time anybody's ever seen that shock a dumb. It was about as poor of a start for Marquette as they could have asked for. Um, they were down 14 to three. They scored three points <laughs> in the first six minutes of the game. Uh, so it was, it was a real like nightmare scenario, uh, for Marquette. And then they battled all the way back and in fact, took a, a, a brief lead, uh, in this game. And then it, at the, at the three minute mark, they just decided we're not going to score anymore. Two points in the last three minutes for Marquette, and they go from being up uh, 56-54 or 58-56 to losing this game 60-69. Uh, to 69. So Michigan State just takes control in the last, in the last couple minutes and, and gets the job done. So 
Uh, I, I'm a clown for believing in Shaka Smart in March again. I, I was like, you know what? His probationary period's over. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, <laughs> put my faith in this guy. And what a fool I was. So uh, the Big East, who's having a great postseason, three teams, you know, 60% of their teams that made it are in the Sweet 16. It's a big deal. Marquette, the team that won the Big East by two games, they're gone. And Marquette had a chance. It was all lining up for them because they could have played the uh, the Sweet 16 and yep. the Elite Eight at Madison Square Garden where they did just, you know, come from the Big East tournament. But instead, uh, Tyson Walker from Michigan State who played high school basketball at Christ the King in Queens going to be playing on the floor at Madison Square Garden as Michigan State takes on Kansas State, Kansas State, who uh, beat Kentucky 75-69, despite Oscar Shibway going off for 25 points and 18 rebounds. He's their offense. Their offense is take a bad shot and then let Oscar rebound it, and maybe he puts one back. Uh, that's that's essentially what Kentucky does offensively. Uh, Kentucky, I, I felt a little bit bad uh, for uh, Antonio Reeves, who's been – so good this season. He was one of 15 from the field, one of 10 from three. We're talking about a 40% three-point shooter. Just picked a bad time to have the worst game of his career, and that's what sends Kentucky home. These were – I don't think either one of these teams is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was – it was a frustrating game to watch, particularly the, the first half. It was like – it was setting basketball back. <laughs> um but kudos to Kansas State. Jerome Tank, first-year head coach at Kansas State, mm-hmm. to have his team in the Sweet 16. Very, very impressive. And really, that pod, that region, it's, I think it's, it's, anybody's, it's anybody's to take. Anybody. You know? uh, listen, if Florida Atlantic went to the Final Four, no one's surprised. I, I don't Not, I, I'm saying at this point. Now, I agree. Yeah. I agree. So it, because all, all the, uh, the giants have fallen in, the, in those regions, and it feels like Tennessee is so vulnerable – you know, given their their health issue, uh, it it does feel like a a really wide open uh, region there. Michigan State opens as a one point favorite over Kansas State. Xavier defeated Pittsburgh eighty four seventy three in the uh, Midwest region as uh, Sean Miller returns to the Sweet Sixteen. And for Xavier, I mean, this is this it's offense this is what they do yep they score and they they score they score in bunches and they put up 48 points in the first half against Pittsburgh yeah. and and everything that you said about Pitt not being able to play play defense it it really hurt them here in this game yeah no doubt and uh 37 defensive rebounds for Xavier so is that good uh, it, that's pretty good and just controlled the game uh just it felt like every shot they chucked up went in uh, for a good chunk of that game. Um, and Pitt, like I said, just a, a poor defensive team, didn't have an answer. They put up 73 points in this tournament. 73 points have been winning a lot of teams' games, yep. just not even close in this one. Xavier will take on the two-seed Texas Longhorns, who beat Penn State 71-66 on Saturday. Yeah, Texas is one of the teams that's really impressed me in this tournament. Um you know, Penn State did end up covering that game, if you got the right number, five and a half for mm-hmm. most people. Uh, <laughs> Texas wins by five. But I've really liked the way Texas has looked so far this year, and and I think a lot of people doubted them when they lost Chris Beard, but forget that this is still an extremely talented team, like probably one of the five most talented teams mm. in the country. And at the end of the day, like a coach is nice, I, give me the best players. Yeah, you know, so players win. Uh, it'll be a good, it'll be a good offense versus defense matchup here with Xavier and Texas. It, I, I would assure you, 
Xavier will not score 84 points against Texas. Texas is a four-point favorite in that game. UConn, you talked about it a lot, how the analytics love UConn. Yeah. Ken Palm loves UConn. Well, they showed exactly why yesterday against St. Mary's, just running them out of the gym in the second half. Yeah, this 70-55 final. Yeah, 70-55. This game was a, a one-point game at halftime, mm-hmm. uh, and it was really anybody's game. Uh, UConn has a different gear, though. They they have the guys who can kick into this this fifth year and really run away from teams and make teams look bad. There's a reason why Ken Palm has them fourth. They are... At their at their best, they're one of the three or four best teams in the country. Mm-hmm. They've just been a roller coaster all season long. It's really hard to trust them for one game, <laughs> but it certainly feels through two games of the NCAA tournament like they they're playing pretty good ball. What they did in the second half against Iona, and then what they did in the mm-hmm. second half against St. Mary's yesterday just proves that you can maybe you can hang with them for a little while. But eventually, the talent's going to overwhelm, and and that's what it did last night. And UConn will take on Arkansas in the Sweet 16. Are Kansas better than your Kansas as Arkansas wins 72-71? Eric Musselman, more like muscle man, as he ripped his shirt off during the celebration. I'm bringing out all the puns You are very strong. Yeah, Arkansas uh, beats Kansas 72-71 on Saturday. And it would, like, if you told me that Arkansas was going to win that game, Nick Smith Jr. was going to score zero points, Anthony Black was going to score four points. I would have said, well, Kansas won by 30. Mm-hmm. And that just was not – and Jalen Wilson scored 20. Jalen Wilson had a day. Just uh, an incredible team basketball performance by Arkansas who they're gutting this thing out. They're going to – it's running out of gas, and they're going to they're gonna push it into the, yeah. uh, the pit stop and see what they can do here during this little break. But if they can get healthy, they're a dangerous team for sure. UConn's a tough matchup for them, though, certainly. UConn laying four in that game. Creighton, the Blue Jays, your darling. I love them. 85-76 win over Baylor in a game that was, you know, a 10-point lead for Creighton at the half, and then, you know, uh, uh, kudos. This final score doesn't tell the story of the game. Baylor really played well in the second half. This was a smashing. Like, Creighton smashed this team. And Baylor made it close in the last two minutes, made Mm. made it respectable in the last two minutes. But Baylor, how far this team has fallen defensively in the last two years or even from last year, it's it's unbelievable where they where they were and where they are now. And not only that, they got beat on the boards, which. You know, his, it's always been a staple of, of Drew's teams down in Waco, and they just don't have it this year. They're, it's a, I think it's a team that just got tired as the season went on. And the, the five guys that they, they run out there every night and get the, they get the best out of them every time they can. But Keontae George, one of 10 from the field. And if, again, if in the biggest games, your, your dude, the best guy, mm-hmm. Has a game like that, it's really hard to win, especially if you're playing a team like Creighton. Uh, and Ryan Kalkbrenner, good night. Ryan Nimhard, great night. 30 points for Nimhard. Creighton becomes the first team since like 1987 Providence to have two guys, two separate guys, score 30 points in back-to-back tournament games. So it, Kalkbrenner does it the first night. Nimhard does it the second night. 
30-point performances. Creighton cruising into the Sweet 16. Got to be feeling good about themselves, too. And Creighton will face uh, a Cinderella story. For the second straight year, a 15 seed has advanced to the Sweet 16 as Princeton takes down Missouri. The Orange Tigers beat the Yellow Tigers 78-73. Yeah, uh, this was, we talked about this game and said, these are, I don't like either one of these teams. <laughs> uh, so I guess somebody's got to win. Um, but yeah, it, this is, uh, a, a game that's, I think is going to be tough for, for Princeton to hang with because Princeton, they just, they, stylistically, the matchup isn't great here. Princeton's not going to be able to get anything in the mid range, which when you go against a, a drop defense, that's what you have to do is create offense in the mid range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to get nothing at the rim with Cockburner. Obviously this is a, a smallish Princeton team going up against an elite rim protector. Uh, This could be nice run by Princeton, no doubt. A team that I've said all along just isn't very good uh, and certainly kind of put egg on my face. But I think they're just up. It's a terrible stylistic matchup here with Creighton. Oh, maybe the Cinderella story will come to a close or let's hope so. Or we could have I'm hoping so. St. Peter's once again. No, it's enough. Enough. So it's actually this is the third consecutive tournament that a that a 15 seed has gone to the Sweet 16, right? Because Oral Roberts won to the Sweet 16. Yep. And they beat Ohio State, and then uh, they beat Florida. Yep. And then lost to Arkansas, and then you had um, last year St. Peter's going yep. all the way to the Elite Eight. So how about that? Remember, it was the first time it ever happened though was the uh, Andy Enfield's Florida Gulf Coast. Yep. Dunk, Dunk City. Dunk City. When they uh, they made it to the Sweet 16, oh, that was such a fun team. Uh, one final game from yesterday: Miami defeating Indiana, 85-69. What an impressive win! Miami jumped out to this huge lead, shit it all away. Indiana takes a lead, and as soon as they took the lead, it's like they stopped playing, and Miami just ran away with the game. It ends up being a blowout. Uh, kudos to Miami, who, you know, let's let, I'll save my crying for a different day. Uh, I had Miami out in the first round. So did I Drake, not only losing the game, but losing the cover is maybe as painful as losing that Gonzaga Mm. cover. I don't know which is worse because it felt like Drake couldn't lose that game. They were so much better than Miami. And then not only they lose the game, they lose the cover on Mm -hmm. top of it. Uh, But Miami comes back with a a really impressive showing in their second game. This was a a really good win for them. And Miami will take on the one seed Houston, who blows out Auburn 81-64. Another game that was close at halftime. Auburn was actually in control of the game. Auburn was up 10 points at half. And Houston outscores them 50 to 23 in the second half. There is a level of intensity that Houston can reach that other schools can't. Like, this is a – it's still a very, very dangerous team. Like, I, I know they've been banged up. They, they've they shown weakness at times in this tournament. Marcus um, Sasser, by the way, 22 points. Yeah. I mean, it, how unreal is that? <laughs> he can't even finish he, – he can't finish the first game. Like, they, yeah. they almost – it feels like they're in danger of losing that game at times. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out two days later, and it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm back to me, yeah, no problems. <laughs> wow, I, yeah. If you're if you're betting on uh, injured college players, mm-hmm. like if your bet is this guy's hurt, he can't do it. This guy's, and if they've got a blown Achilles or a, a folded knee, okay. 
But if it's back spasms or sore shoulder, beware. These guys are going to gut it out. They're going to do their best to get out there and play. Houston is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite over Miami. The last uh, Sweet 16 matchup is San Diego State and Alabama, two teams that won their games on Saturday. Alabama blowing out Maryland 73-51, and San Diego State, Blowing out Furman, the 13 seed, 75-52. Really, both games never in doubt from the start to the finish. Yeah, but San Diego State's played two games against really, really good mid-major teams in Charleston and Furman. And at the end of the day, their athleticism and physicality just won the day, particularly in that game against Furman. Furman just couldn't they couldn't put bodies mm-hmm. on these guys. Uh, they won't have that edge against Alabama. But they're tougher than you think. This could be a a sneaky team that that can give Alabama some problems. And we even saw Alabama in the in the uh, Maryland game. You were mentioning it it, like the final score says, yep, blowout city. Uh, But if you remember, this was a a pretty tight game at halftime. It wasn't and it was really a a good jump for Maryland. Got to like a nine two start in that game. Felt like they were in control of the game for a minute course this Alabama team there's just so much talent it, it tends to roll on you so uh Alabama still my favorite to win the tournament but it, this is this is going to be a tough game for them Alabama is a seven point favorite so here are your updated odds to win the national championship and some of these honestly AJ are really um I don't want to call them suspect But I feel like there's just really good value on the board. Alabama is your favorite to win. Depending on where you look, you can get plus 300 to plus 350 on Alabama. Houston is your second favorite, plus 360 to plus 400. Your third favorite. Are you ready for this? UCLA? No. Oh. It's UConn. Oh, boy. UConn, and, and I understand the reasoning behind it. Because UConn's a four-point favorite in their game. UCLA's a one-point to a pick-em in their game. So it's not saying who's better, UCLA or UConn. It's just saying that UConn is predicted to win their game more frequently to get to the Elite Eight. So that's the first step in obviously winning a region. It's UConn and then UCLA and then... Texas. Texas. Texas is next. Followed by well, all these are the same odds here at 10 to 1. You can have Texas, Creighton, Gonzaga. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, if you remember, we've got a 25 to 1 on Gonzaga yes, in we pocket. Do. We've in got pocket. a we've got a Creighton 35 to 1 in pocket. So those don't feel like value now. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. Texas 10 to 1, not bad. I, though. I, I was going to do a Gonzaga money line rollover, starting with round one and keep going and keep going. Had I done that, I would really only be, let's see, they were minus, you. I probably, I think I would have won, I think I said starting with $250, mm-hmm. right? And I would have won like 10 bucks on the first game. I think you said instead of starting with 250, you're just going to start with 260 start with and not 260 play the first game. on the game. second game, yes. Well, the money line was Gonzaga minus 195. So you don't win much going with the, you know, your, to, your minus 195 here. But instead of doing that, I, I didn't place those bets. What I did place was minus 150 Gonzaga to make the Sweet 16. Yeah. 
And that was a very good bet. That was a bet that Fez gave out yes. early, and it's a really smart bet. Yeah, I, and, I and unfortunately couldn't grab any of that. My my buddy that has FanDuel, guess where he was? That's where the number – it was like minus 135 at FanDuel. Uh-huh. He was in Vegas for the conference tournaments. I was like, why? Well, they had the, – and what's cr- it's crazy, they had the bets here in Vegas. So these were, the, these were the numbers. So we placed the bet minus 150 at DraftKings. It was minus 172 FanDuel. Minus 185 here in town at stations. Minus 220 at William Hill. I mean, this is why you got to line shop, people. You got to line shop. You have to have multiple outs. Fed says it all the time. You have to have multiple outs and and search for multiple books to place your bets and find the best value. But I wouldn't wouldn't mind taking a shot on the 11 to 1 at Gonzaga now. I mean, yes, we have the 25 to 1 that we gave out on the Dream Pod and and here on SOVAM before the tournament even started. But I think out of all these teams, is there – I don't think there's any heavy dog here that I would want a ticket on. And I understand that for a team like Michigan State or a Florida Atlantic, they could get to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's feasible for them. Just two wins, they're in it. But I don't think either of those – I think both of those teams would be double-digit dogs to Alabama – and then certainly seven or so point dogs to Creighton. I'll tell you the two teams that I would say are quote unquote long shots that I would have some interest in Arkansas because, again, if this is assuming they're healthy, but, but you'd rather you'd rather take Arkansas. I mean, well, obviously the money line rollover on Arkansas is probably better because oh, I'm sure it's massive because they are four point dogs against UConn, so one fifty five. So you're 100. Well, now you have 255. And then what do you think Arkansas would be against UCLA or Gonzaga? Seven and a half point dogs? No. no. More? No, less. Less? Yeah, oh yeah. Five I, and I, a half? I'd say probably five, five and a half. Okay, so plus 200? Yeah. All right, so you're 255 on that gets you now. You're at like 765. Okay. And then they now go to the final four and face Houston. Yeah. Uh, now we're talking like seven, seven and a half, something you're, like you're that. Probably more like eight. Okay, yeah. so plus three hundred, let's say. Uh, yeah, I think that's generous. All right, so it's like seven sixty-five. You're back, like you're at like three thousand right now, and that's their number is thirty-one. That's, but that's before you even get to the get final. to the national championship. Yeah. So you're better off just money line roller rollovering yep. a team like Arkansas that will be an underdog in every single game they play. Well, then let me put it this way: the teams that I would look at if you want to take one of these underdogs and money line roll over them. Arkansas is interesting to me, mm-hmm. and Xavier's become interesting to me. And this is, I, I say that as someone who has Texas in my national championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, you know, my, I project they're going to lose this yeah. game. But, but you're but right. They, uh, Xavier will be an underdog in every game. Xavier can get hot, and if you can hit those shots, you never know. Um, someone said today. It's not a bad idea because it's a similar, they're very similar to Arkansas's path. They're a four-point dog against Texas. They'll probably be a six- or seven-point dog against Houston. Yeah. And then going up against UConn, UCLA, or Gonzaga. The difference is Arkansas has five guys who are going to play in the NBA on their roster, and Xavier does not. But someone said yesterday, and I forget who it was, but someone said this Xavier team reminds me of the Gordon Hayward-Butler team. Like the the, the first Butler team that went to the Final Mm -hmm. Four. It's like it's not crazy. That's not a crazy thing to say. Like they can maybe Do they have a Gordon Hayward. I don't know. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what it boils down to. And that, those guys are hard to come by. But the, the way that they they the difference is 
all these guys can score. Like without even I think without Zach Fremantle, who it felt like was a death nail when they said he's done for the season, it feels like they're better without him. Like it feels like they're a better team without Zach Fremantle on the floor, which is wild to think that a you know a, a guy who was looked at as your best player coming into the season now he's done for the year and somehow, somehow you're better. But it feels like the way they're playing right now, they, they couldn't play this way with him. So uh, I give him some credit. It's a, it's been a it's a solid run right now for Xavier. Yeah, that was a fun little Butler team. Back-to-back championship games. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And they played the one in Indianapolis, which is, like, yep. really close to, to campus. That was the one they lost to Duke, right? It was yeah. in Indy? I, yep. And then they lost in Houston to UConn. Yeah. I, I tend to think that this team, that team was, or the team that's more like that sort of miracle run team is Creighton. Uh, just a team that was highly rated to start the season and, mm-hmm. and kind of fell down a little bit, but... I'm telling you, I'm still in love with this Creighton team. I, I don't know that there's value at 10 to 1, which is what's out there now, but uh, this is a really fun team, and they've got a lot of different ways to beat you. They play defense, they can score. A lot of teams, even now, that are still in can't do both of those things. We just talked about Xavier, can't do both of those things. Arkansas can't do both of those things. Creighton can absolutely do both of those things. So here's uh, some interesting bets if you want to, um, kind of like we did with the Gonzaga to win, to, uh, Gonzaga to a- advance to the Sweet 16, you can bet the regional winner. So you're betting on essentially a two-game money line rollover. Gonzaga right now is plus 240 to win the West. I think that's great. I think, I think that's because because they're essentially a pick them here against UCLA and then against UConn. It's going to be a close spread. I, I like plus 240 on Gonzaga to win the West region. Um, Alabama minus 130 to win the South seems like a pretty good bet as well. They're going to be favored against San Diego State and they're fa- going to be favored against uh, Creighton or certainly. Imagine if it's Princeton. Imagine if Princeton beats Creighton and it's Alabama Princeton. That's a 15 point spread. Yeah. It was just 15, wasn't it? Right? <laughs> Weren't, wasn't Princeton just, um, not Princeton, Fairleigh Dickinson was 15 Fairleigh and a half point 15, dogs. Yeah. Um, and my Jersey school is mixing up. But seriously, though, Alabama, Fairleigh Dickinson's got to be 15 points. Alabama, Fairleigh Dickinson would be. I'm sorry, Alabama, Princeton. Oh, Alabama, Princeton would be 20 points. Yeah. So, yeah. so Alabama minus 130 to win the region, I think is a great bet right now. It's not, it's not bad, certainly. Yeah. I, I, I don't think Alabama has any struggles. But, again, San Diego State's tough, mm-hmm. and I don't think Creighton's going to be an easy out. So, I I, I don't know. I, I, I can't get there with Alabama I can't, at that number. I, I, I'd i like a bigger, a juicier number because I, I think both these teams, if they play San Diego State and Creighton the way they're supposed to, mm-hmm. I, I think at least one of those teams gives them okay. a, a really uncomfortable push. Uh, Tennessee is your favorite in the East. They're plus 130. Don't ask me what's going to happen. In the Michigan East. No State idea. plus 320. Kansas State plus 360. Yeah, I I actually had Tennessee advancing to this spot, uh, so I I, I expected if and but really the truth of that is it was more for bracket purposes a fade of what everyone everybody was else do. was yeah, doing. Everybody everyone was, was like, in love with Duke. Tennessee's going to lose in the first or second round. That everyone was saying that, and I I said you know what if I can beat that mm-hmm. then I'm in good shape. It's kind of the same way I've got Florida Atlantic in my Sweet Sixteen. It was. There were 70% of the brackets on Memphis saying Memphis was going to beat Florida Atlantic. It was a coin flip game. If I'm in a coin flip and I can be on the side where only mm-hmm. 30% of us advance instead of 70%, I, I cut down the masses some. That's the side I want to be on. That's how I felt about Tennessee. Everybody was fading them. I said, I'll, I'll take a shot with Tennessee. And uh, they've gotten there. I just don't know 
how how good you can feel about him at this point going forward. But I, I don't feel good about – I said it earlier, I don't feel good about Kansas State or Michigan State. I, I don't like any of those teams. So, um, I, I guess gun to head, I'd choose t- Tennessee to roll through to the Final Four, but it's it, there's no feel good about it. World Baseball Classic semifinal game one is in the book, says last night the United States absolutely dismantled Cuba, and I say that respectfully, 14-2 in front of a sold-out crowd of 35,779 in Miami. I think disrespect's warranted, 14-2. Wake up, boys. Yeah, 14-2. It was an absolute just beat down uh trey turner goes yard once again uh this dude um obviously had the is he the mvp yes he uh well he had the biggest hit in the quarterfinal game against venezuela but he goes three for five with four rbi he uh had two home runs in the game yesterday uh, against Cuba, so he is just heating up right now. Boy, the Phillies got a real good one on their hands. Uh, Mookie Betts goes three for six, um, and Paul Goldschmidt homered as well. He's having a tremendous tournament. He had four RBIs. So the United States wins 14-2. to two. They will face the winner of Japan and Mexico. That semifinal game is going to be tonight. Championship game is going to be on um, – Tuesday, Adam Wainwright went four innings, uh, five hits, just one run allowed. Miles Michaelis, four innings in relief. He allowed just one run. And I I want to just get this out of the way. When I was talking about the Edwin Diaz situation, I wasn't shitting on the World Baseball Classic. I actually really do love this tournament. I just don't love the timing of it. I would feel much better if it was played at the end of the season, if it was played either simultaneously with the Major League Baseball postseason or as soon as the postseason concludes. If the World Baseball Classic was at the end of October or into November, it's great. Let me ask you something, because I haven't been been paying any attention to this World Baseball Classic. I haven't seen any sports besides college basketball in a month. But is this all – are they all being played at the same uh, venue? No, well, now they are. Now the the all the they're all together now in Miami. Where were they at before? So the they were broken up into groups. And um, certain... uh, Was it all in the U.S.? No, no. So it broke down over the course of a couple of weeks. And you had different groups that then came into elimination rounds. The groups were uh, Cuba, Italy, Netherlands, Panama, and Chinese Taipei. I believe they played in, uh, like, China. Okay. Then you had... Japan, Australia, Korea, Czech Republic, and China, uh, they played in Tokyo. I don't think the – not the – not. I think they played in Taiwan, the okay. first group, whatever. Then you had the Tokyo group. Then you had two United States groups. You had one in Phoenix. That's where the U.S. was playing. And then you had one in Miami. That's where you had, like, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic. They played in Miami. And Miami is an open-air park, right? No, they have a roof. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They can open and close it. Okay. Uh, and then they – then now the quarterfinals, semifinals, everything is in the United States. I guess my only, like, the only concern with doing it after the season would be weather. Like, it, but the, it, Phoenix and Miami are the two locations. Right, but would, could you do yeah. the whole tournament in those two locations? Like, it, Well, the Marlins and Diamondbacks aren't going to the postseason. So <laughs> could, true. The stadium's open. Yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's not the worst idea. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. 
it's easy to say I don't like it when I see guys getting like I, I saw uh, Jose Altuve broke his broke his thumb broke his out thumb. for two months. Like it's a brutal loss for the Astros who. I mean, and, and just like the Mets guy, like Edwin you're, Diaz, you're talking about the year. You, these are te- these are teams who are trying to win a World Series. Yep. You know, this isn't some guy who plays for the Pirates. The, the problem, <laughs> the thing is, the players love this event. Yeah. And like you asked, there's like a bunch of Dominican players, a bunch of Puerto Rican players that have said, like, this means more to them. This really does. Like playing in this World Baseball Classic means more to them. It's like the SEC. Than playing in the them, just it, yeah, means more. It just means more than playing in the in the World Series. Uh and for, you know, teams that yes, they're trying to win uh, during the regular season. I forgot the quote. I think it was from uh I want to get the quote right, but there was a quote from one of the players that was saying, "Yeah, like I know regular season's important, but this is important for us." Like this is what we care about playing in the, this playing in a tournament for their country because it's a, it's play, a big deal. These players they don't play in the Olympics, you know. Yeah. So this is the opportunity to play with their country's you know name across their chest. It's just to them it means so much more, and so than yeah. the stuff they get paid for. Yeah, yeah, pretty Inter- much interesting. Yep, <laughs> and so because uh, let me tell you, to the owner of the Astros and the owner of the Mets right yeah. now, it doesn't mean more. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is a, a very frustrating time for those guys. Absolutely. Um, the crowds have been incredible. I saw a stat. More people have gone to see the world baseball classic than uh, all of the uh, A's home games in Oakland. <laughs> That's not surprising. So, <laughs> you're, you're, well, when they're in Vegas, they'll draw a crowd, but this tournament is fun. It's fun to watch. And, and you really, I know it's meaningless to some, but it's not to these players. And when you see the reaction from the players, you kind of get bought in. Like, it, 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 the, the excitement that they have, the intensity that they're playing with. I, again, I love this tournament. I don't love when it's played. Because this is spring training. This is supposed to be a time where guys are, are ramping up. I don't want, I was watching, it was the, uh, yeah, it was, it was the U.S.-Venezuela game. And Jose Alvarado is in relief for Venezuela. And he throws, like, three consecutive pitches, like, 100 miles per hour. And I texted my buddy, who's, who's a Phillies fan, and I go, I'm sorry. Um, Jose Alvarado throwing 100 miles per hour in March is not ideal. No. It's just not. Like, it, it, I'm sorry. It, it, I want this guy to, like, be slowly getting his arm strength up for the regular season, not giving it 100% and stressing his shoulder to try and get an out in the spring training game. All right. Well, now that it's played and we're not changing their minds about it and it's almost over and we've got the USA in the finals and it's Japan and who's the other team in the Mexico? Mexico. First of all, we saw the Puerto Rican lineup. Yeah. We saw the Dominican lineup. Mm-hmm. What happened to these teams? Like, how much of an upset is it that those teams aren't around? Like, what were the the pre-tournament odds for the U.S., for Japan, and for Mexico? So, so the, well, the Dominican Republic was the favorite all along. 
right? Dominican was uh, their lineup read like a like a. It was it's it, an absolute all star lineup. It's insane. Yeah, it like it would beat an all star team. Yes, I, I I joked around. I said that team wins 130 games in the regular yes. season. Here was their lineup in their last game against Puerto Rico. This was an elimination game. This was the winner was moving on. The loser was going home. This was the Dominican Republic lineup: Juan Soto, <laughs> Julio Rodriguez. You know, just the rookie. Of the yeah, year. no big deal. Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, Eloy Jimenez, Wander Franco, Cattell Marte, uh, Jamier uh, Candelario, Gene Segura pinch hit, Frange- uh, Francisco Mejia, Teoscar Hernandez pinch hit. Unreal. Yeah. Uh, and Johnny Cueto started the game uh, as the pitcher. And that team's not in. That team's They're not done. in. Yep. Puerto Rico's not in. Puerto Rico um, lost. So Puerto Rico lost to Mexico in the quarterfinals. <laughs> I mean, were Mexico and Japan like massive underdogs to be here? Um, I don't know about massive underdogs. They're absolutely dogs. Yeah. But that was they, the U.S. a massive underdog? No, the USA here? was the second favorite. Okay. Yeah. Um, they were the they they were the second favorite in the tournament. This Mexico team, I mean, everyone says like Mexico, whatever. They have a very good um, a very good roster. This was their lineup in the game against Puerto Rico. Randy Rosarena, mm-hmm. who's just lighting it up. Dude's on fire. Alex Verdugo, Joey Manessis, who is a, he's going to be a problem this year. Rowdy Tellez, Isak Paredes, Luis uh, Urias. Um, pretty that's a really good team. Austin Barnes catching. But isn't there a handful of guys on that? Like, is, are there multiple guys in their lineup who aren't MLB guys? Who aren't MLB yeah. guys? Um, or is their whole squad major leaguers? Yeah, they're all major leaguers. Okay. I mean, Alan Treo is their shortstop, and he's, I guess he's not like a household name. Um, same thing with like Alec Thomas, who's like a, you know, not like a star right. for the Diamondbacks, but these are these are major league ball players. Okay. I stand corrected yeah. there. But Japan has very few major leaguers, right? The Japan has very few major leaguers. What Japan does have is a team of some major leaguers. But all stars, like yeah. stars from Otani. But I'm saying stars from the Japanese league. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Like this is these are guys that are all studs over in Japan. Who's gonna win the tournament now? Is the US are they gonna roll? I, I was reading about their pitching options for the final. So it it doesn't seem promising. <laughs> Otani pitched on Thursday, which means Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. He is in line to pitch on Tuesday on normal rest. That would be the championship game? That would be the championship game. So if Japan beats Mexico tonight. The U.S. has to face Otani. The U.S. has to face Otani. And there's we we don't have a pitcher that's better than him. Uh, that's not necessarily true. Who? I don't, Who do we got? Uh, what I was reading is the, the options. Mm-hmm. For the the U.S. Mm-hmm. in the championship game, the pitching options, uh, because they used Wainwright and they Michaelis. Wainwright, Michaelis, yep. It says the options are narrowed down, or U.S. manager Mark DeRosa narrowed down the options to start the finale to Arizona Diamondbacks right-hander Merrill Kelly. I like Merrill Kelly. You like him better than Otani? Nope. Kansas City Royals right-hander Brady Singer? Nope. Colorado Rockies left-hander Kyle Freeland? Or a reliever serving as an opener. I think that I think the U.S. is best off going with a reliever as an opener. But those guys aren't better than Otani. I feel like we should. We're probably an underdog to 
here's the thing. Otani's only going to go four innings. You got to survive four innings, four or five innings. If he's rolling, you think they pull him? It's spring training, and there's a pitch limit. You have to. Oh, they do have a, yeah. like a, a firm pitch limit? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. You got to. Um, pretty sure uh, it's a 70, 70 pitch limit, maybe. Okay. I think it's 80. 80 for the semifinal and finals. Okay. That makes me feel a little bit yeah. better. Yeah, I don't think. I think it was 70 for the preliminary rounds and then 80 now for the um, for the, the, the this thing. Unless, like, you know, it could be like one of those. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. He's definitely going to start, Otani. Japan. Japan is, was the third favorite before the tournament. Japan Mexico is throwing a twenty-one-year-old phenom. They call him a flamethrower, Roki Sasaki, and also plans to throw Yoshinibu Yamamoto. I've been to that restaurant. Who has won the Sawamura Award, which is the Japanese Cy Young, each of the last two seasons. So this, Mexico will throw Patrick Sandoval. Angels left. Oh, they're throwing an Angels pitcher that's not Otani? Yeah. They're in trouble. <laughs> so so this uh, Sasaki kid, I think, set the record, like, with um, the hardest throw. Like, you know how they have, like, that high school national, like, tournament uh-huh. every year in Japan? He th- I think he threw, like, 100 miles an hour or 101 as, like, a high school kid. Damn. It was like, yeah. Um, I, this Listen, the J- Japanese roster is good. They got, the, they got some good players. What's the line going to be? On what? Uh, on if it's Japan and the U.S., what's the? Uh, I don't want like a fancy run line. I want like the 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 money line. Otani pitching. Yep. USA minus one twenty, minus one twenty five. Okay. And which side would you like? USA. Okay. Yeah. We might have a friendly wager. Okay. Japan is minus two fifty five tonight against Mexico. By the way. Yeah, Japan's beating Mexico. Yeah. They got this Roki kid. Are you kidding me? <laughs> The, the, the Mexico team is throw, they're throwing an Angels pitcher? Yeah. Stop it. Uh, yeah. The Angels don't even want to throw the Angels pitchers. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would go with, um, yeah. What I've been impressed with is I can't wait. Like, I, I haven't watched a lot of Me- of uh, Japan play, but Marasaka Yoshida is going to be the starting left fielder, maybe center fielder for the Red Sox this year. Okay. He is my pick for rookie of the year. This is a 29-year-old perennial all-star in the Japanese league. Yeah. That is now signed a big deal to come play Major League Baseball. He right now is, let's see, his rookie of the year odds. In the American League, he's the second favorite plus 600. That's actually gone down. It was plus 900. Now it's at plus 600. Probably because people are watching the World Baseball Classic and seeing that this yeah. guy can play. Uh, in their semi, in their most recent game against uh, Italy, uh, Yoshida uh, went uh, one for three, two runs, two RBIs. Let's see. Do we have his game logs for this tournament? Mm, I don't know. They probably won't show his game logs here. But anyway, uh, he's a guy that I'm absolutely looking forward to seeing throughout this Major League Baseball season. But, yes, most notably, like, watching him in the World Baseball Classic. Curious to see what he does tonight. Curious to see what he does against the United States and uh, some U.S. pitching in the championship game on Tuesday. But I still think the U.S. wins this, and that would be back-to-back World Baseball Classic wins for the United States. And I believe the last team to uh, win back-to-back World Baseball Classic championships was Japan. So... 
ironic. The uh, two best nations when it comes to um, baseball in the world with the two best leagues in the world. Kind of, you know. Kind of run this thing. Running this thing. Yeah. yeah, Japan won it twice, the first one and the second one, 2006, 2009. Dominican Republic won in 2013, the United States in 2017, and we'll see what happens here in 2020. NBA over the weekend, AJ, the system just keeps on winning as the Warriors lose on the road in Atlanta on Friday, and they lose on the road in Memphis on Saturday. It's just free money out there, isn't it? It's free money. That loss on Saturday, their 11th straight road loss. It's the second longest road losing streak by a defending champion in NBA history. The Bulls. In 98-99, lost 12 straight road games. Unreal. So, tonight, the Warriors on the road in uh, Houston oh. against the Rockets. Will you buck the system or will you ride it? This is so difficult because the Rock. I mean... <laughs> the Rockets have won three out of four. Yeah, but... Uh, listen, I gotta say, if they lose to the Rockets, like blow this thing up, like it's so bad. The, I can't do it. I, I have to go against the system tonight, and here's why: I can't lay minus five hundred on, or, or a pl- I can't, I can't get plus four hundred. Like it's a plus four hundred. Like I can't buck a minus five hundred. Vegas knows the, they're bad, but they're still minus five hundred. <laughs> So just take the plus money. You're getting massive plus money on the Rockets. This team's lost 11 straight road games. How do you? <laughs> 11 straight. I mean, they're seven and 29 on the road. <laughs> they're seven and 29 on the road. They've lost 11 straight road games, and yet they're nine and a half point favorites. I in mean, Houston. maybe, maybe in this instance, maybe it's smart for me to take the nine and a half points. Like I could see laying yeah. nine and a half. The Rockets suck, and yes, they've won a couple games. They're not going to keep winning games. They suck. But but they're going to give it their all. This is like their championship. You don't think the Warriors are? They're trying to win it. They're trying to actually get a champion, a real championship. Warriors are actually one like game. Like that they give out a trophy for. So the Warriors are the seventh seed right now. They're yeah, a half they're... game up on the Thunder for the eighth. They're one game up on the Timberwolves, Lakers, and the Jazz. One, one and a half games up on the Pelicans. So, so it sounds to me like you're telling me they're in a dogfight. Yeah, they need to win. They need, they to, win need to win. Yeah. I might lay nine and a half. Or, I mean, I might take nine and a half points. Take nine and a half. Yeah, yeah, with the Rockets. Okay. I think that's wise. Uh, elsewhere tonight, <laughs> you have the Pacers, one and a half point favorites at the Hornets. Sixers laying seven and a half against the Bulls. Do you have the latest MVP odds? Is uh, Embiid's the favorite now, right? Yeah, Embiid switched to the favorite He became now over the favorite Jokic. over Jokic, yeah. But didn't Jokic have an opportunity to have a good game uh, over the weekend? So where are we after the weekend um, ha- After the weekend games as far as the Jokic-Embiid MVP race? Which I, I think that it- I think voter fatigue is going to come into play here. It- it's one thing to say voter fatigue comes into play after one year, no, you can give a guy back-to-back awards, but to give a guy back-to-back-to-back awards, it really has to be—he has to be separated from the group. And if there's a player like Embiid that is close, 
I think that voter fatigue does come into play and Embiid does win the award over Jokic. These odds are surprising. Joel Embiid plus 135. Uh-huh. Nikola Jokic plus 450. Giannis wow. 5-1. to one. So now Jokic is closer to to Giannis in third than he is to Embiid as the favorite. And Giannis and and Jokic had a triple double yesterday. Yep. So unbelievable. Uh, Knicks host the Timberwolves. Knicks laying eight at home. Uh, Mavericks at the Grizzlies. Memphis laying one and a half. So players still missing for the Mavs and uh, the Kings are at the Jazz. Sacramento laying six. Five games on the NHL schedule tonight. Florida, a minus 190 favorite in Detroit against the Red Wings. The Senators are at the Penguins. Pittsburgh, minus 165. Pittsburgh coming off uh, an embarrassment to the Rangers, losing 6-0 on Saturday. Pittsburgh has lost six straight games. Currently in the Eastern Conference wild card standings, Pittsburgh is just one point up on the Panthers for the second wild card. So you would say it's a game that Pittsburgh has to win. Uh, elsewhere, you got the Blackhawks at the Avalanche, Colorado minus 455. <laughs> That's strong. Yeah, they say elevation comes into play there. Uh, the Sharks are at the Oilers, Edmonton minus 335. That's a system play. Bet against the Sharks. That's the system, right? Oh, bet against the Sharks? Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty strong system, isn't it? It's It's been doing pretty well betting against the Sharks. Uh, San Jose is, you know, certainly in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Yeah. Connor Bedard, by the way, scored his 70th goal of the season last night. Uh, the Sharks have lost six straight games. They've won just one time in their last 10 games. That's not good. That's, this that's, feels like a good spot for the Oilers. Feels like a good spot for the Oilers. And the Flames are at the Kings. Calgary laying, uh, oh, it's a pretty much split, minus 105 or uh, minus 110 both ways between the Flames and the Kings. Head on over to pregame.com and jump on board any of the daily best bet packages or season-long subscription packages we have available and take 20% off anything you'd like using the promo code UPSET20. <laughs> Yes, in the spirit of the NCAA tournament, we go with Upset20 is the promo code to get you 20% off at pregame.com. Uh, UFC this weekend. Leon Edwards won. won. He did. Big win for Leon. By decision, right? Yep. Was that a surprising decision or he was he, he controlled was the fight? Minus two twenty fit or underdog. He was, or was plus two twenty yeah, yeah. under. I'm saying during the fight though, watching. I was close. He lost a point for holding onto the cage. He didn't want to get taken down. Lost yeah, a point. I would have done that. Um, I think the fight being in London helped Ooh, with some scoring. Uh, in a, there was a lot of close rounds and and yeah, he I, it wasn't a bad decision by yeah, any yeah. stretch. So good one. going to be a Lima. third fight now. Or no? This was already the third one. They've already fought twice, so this was the third one. Wow. Yeah, so, Ed, oh, so Edwards two split. out of three. Edwards wins two out of three. So yep. it's done. That's it. It's done. It's done. Usman's got to start climbing the ladder again. Start climbing the ladder. Yep. Wow. No longer the baddest man on the planet. Uh, well, that's the heavyweight champ is the baddest man it on the planet. Be. Yeah, it should be John Jones right now. Yeah. Baddest man on the planet. Uh, upset 20. That was an upset. Plus 220. Upset. It was. Upset 20 gets you 20% off at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Sadenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. AM.